there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello, I'm Anya Lawler. You're very welcome to RTE News, your politics po- podcast here in Leinster House. And we're joined today by Independent Senator Eileen Flynn, who's the first member of the travelling community to serve as a member of the Earthless. And also with us, our own Micheál Lehan and Sandra Hurley. Good afternoon to you all. And Eileen, uh, the reason you're with us is this week you were part of a Wild Woman event uh, and this happened in the Lexicon Library and on Leary. Um, Martina Devlin put it together and it was to mark the achievements of inspirational women uh, as part of celebrating the Feast of St. Bridget. And of course, we're getting a bank holiday in her name uh, next Monday. So what does St. Bridget mean to you? I, um, o- over the years and been in school, you hear different uh, stories of uh, of St. Bridget and what she uh, stood for. And one of the one of the ones that means so much to me is being a, a midwife and looking after uh, pregnant uh, uh, people, pregnant women. And my mother was always very caring for the women on the site who, who would be pregnant. And even though she wouldn't have had much, she would get ready their hospital bags and make sure they were prepared to have their babies. Because in the traveller community going back, say, uh, 30 years ago, it was always something that women kept secret, yeah. say, being uh, pregnant. So, uh, say, and, you know, she 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 went into uh, to, to the church um, being a nun. And a lot of the times, you know, were it a religious or were an activist? And I see myself as both. I am religious and I'm an activist as well do you know and um, that's uh, I'd, I'd admire St. Bridget for that and she was and can you make a St. Bridget's cross would would anyone you know hang out rags on St. Bridget's Eve and? yes I would uh, hang uh, a rag myself and lots of members of my community yeah. would uh, hang out the rag on uh, St. Bridget's Eve and just like if you see on my uh, hand I always have my uh, red and uh, white uh, band which is St. Philomena which yeah. uh, again marks uh, like the, the faith but St. Bridget, in my opinion, was a was a strong, independent woman. Uh, she was um, there were a husband that was uh, chose for her, and she didn't want to get married, and uh, she she stepped away, and then she chose God. Do you know? And a lot of the time, that reminds me of say women in the traveller community. Sometimes more or less now than what it was going back uh, twenty years ago. Uh, that maybe a uh, match marriage, you know. And I think the strength in her to be able to walk away from that, and then found uh, her yeah. passion. In, uh, in God and uh, activism as well. So she was able to be both. Tell me more about the other women who've inspired you. Uh, as I said, my, my mother would have been one. My, my mother was an activist within the heart and sight yeah. because we don't all have to be in front of the cameras and TVs to be a uh, good activist. You know, again, like even with the corporation going back in uh, the 80s and the 90s, looking for good living conditions for, for the traveller community. Another strong woman and a great woman. Unfortunately, I never had the privilege to meet was uh, Nan Joyce. Nan Joyce was the first traveller to ever put herself forward for the general elections. And she got 
500 volts in the early 80s, like 500 volts in uh, the Tala area was an awful lot for a member of the traveller community to get. And that that within itself is an inspiration and to be able to get those amount of votes while living on the side of the road and uh, rearing our children as well. Uh, Nam was just uh, stood up for traveller rights, protests for travellers' rights when it wasn't uh, popular to do. So, um, and like, and it was a candidate from Fianna Fáil and back then Fianna Fáil was a very big party that got in uh, ahead of uh, Nan. But again, a mother... But she made her mark. Yeah, a mother, yeah. Uh, a great activist. And then we have uh, Bernadette Devlin as well, uh, Bernadette McCluskey, just an absolutely, like for me personally, she's always been a great role model, you know, did you like, meet her? I, I have many a times and I absolutely, she's my go-to person if I need uh, advice. She's my go-to person for, from, like, Bernadette got involved with the civil rights movement in the 70s. She was the youngest member to ever uh, be in a parliament at 21 years of age. And, like, you know, she came from a working class uh, uh, community in, uh, in, in the north and, like that even inspired me because if Bernadette could do it with everything that was going on in the north at the time what Bernadette stood for like women's rights and you know like Bernadette was one of those activists that uh, brought the pill from the north to the south you know and amount of the work like I wouldn't be able to even give her enough credit here today for amount of her work that she's done over the years you know and even in parliament uh, some of the changes that that she made she's just an incredible um, individual and then you have Mary uh, Robinson as well and uh, I met Did you meet her too yeah? Yeah I was privileged to um, meet uh, Mary Robinson when I was six years old and um, I met her in a a woman's group if you want uh, with my mother it was an absolutely lovely uh, memory to have and you know, I didn't have the greatest of upbringings. I wasn't full of wealth and we didn't get everything that, that you wanted, like, you know, the demand. You you got what you were given and that was it. Um, and it was lovely to meet uh, Mary Robson in that group. She used to go to groups and visit um, visit uh, women in, in groups and especially traveller women. She used to go to refuges to visit uh, women as well. And, and, and just she really had a passion. And a lot of for that women. was quiet work. There weren't yeah. cameras there. No, the, well, like I actually, this one event when I met her at Duarte, uh, cameras there <laughs> and it happened to be uh, the news and I remember my mother being uh, making sure that we wouldn't get on the news do you know that kind of way and like thinking that you met her like who would have thought as a six year old traveller child do you know what I mean that you'd ever end up here in, in Leinster House a senator like uh, Mary Robinson and my mother would dress very like Mary Robinson as well with the long jacket the 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 the, the, the nice uh, trousers and blouse or shirts you know she and brooches as well so I, I just think Mary Robinson broke down a lot of barriers for Irish women if you want you know like um, she, she met us look and say actually you don't because sometimes you know when you'd always been on the outside it was the first time a woman had been at the top yeah and as well as that like you know or as a society, we think, well, actually, a woman's job is to stay at home. Or she would say a woman's job or a woman's place could be in, the, uh, in uh, you know, to be a president. And I just think that's incredible. And many women think that actually it, it can be uh, done. Yeah. And like we had two women presidents for uh, 21 years. Like that, that's absolutely remarkable. How do you find the Shannon then? Uh, I love it. Yeah, it uh, has its challenges. I use it, uh, as I like to think, for the better good for people from uh, minority groups and just speak the truth, you know, and the truth from my own lived experience and just to try my best. I work on with 
four incredible, three incredible women, Alice Murray Higgins, uh, Frances Black and Lin Yuan, and we're a small group, but we, we get a lot done and like work with civil uh, civil uh, groups as well. And and for me, it's just been a great experience being able to try and change uh, legislation and policy that impacts on people from um, like disadvantaged communities, working class communities and the traveller community, obviously, and people uh, yeah. like black people, uh, migrants and refugees. I don't like to see myself as a one trick pony or one of these people that just looks after the travellers, you know, because I think collectively we we can work together. But I will say, like in my last two and a half years here, and I know this might even, but like really out of 220 people, there's around 20 politicians that really care for uh, for for equality for the traveller community and really do like deep down and would support back in corner, you know, and that's lovely to see. That is really empowering to see. And I know one of the issues you've been talking about, and we're going to go on and talk about it now as part of our more general political discussion. One of the issues you've been talking a lot about in recent weeks has been the growth in anti-immigrant protests uh, and the kind of... Uh, element that seems to be bubbling up in Irish politics. Uh, what have you been saying? What are your concerns? My concerns is about the ordinary person who's getting caught up on these marches, not knowing what, like, because a lot of people don't understand the far right, has never heard of the far right, wouldn't understand what fascist even means, you know, and these are the people that that's, that are getting caught up in these protests, and we have to be realistic. There's homeless single mothers, there's uh, single parents, if you want, there's uh, people who, uh, hundreds of people in in hotels, some of my own family are, are homeless at the moment, you know, so I know exactly what I'm talking about, and have you ever heard, oh, oppressed people becoming oppressors and, and I think this is what's happening here where people around the marriage of society are struggling themselves the cost of living um, uh, there's a the health crisis so many crises in, within uh, mm-hmm. Ireland at the moment and uh, people just have enough of it but like if, if we give a like Ordinary people, refugees, migrants looking for equality is not going to take away equality from an Irish person. Do you know? And we have to understand that, and we need to be realistic and say that, like we have refu- we have a direct provision where people live in dire uh, accommodation, where where people have very little, like a hot meal, obviously, which is brilliant, but that's it and a bed to sleep in. So yeah. is that like these people are only surviving? Uh, direct provision has been in our country for the last uh, twenty two years. Was set up. Uh, temporary and you know like even yesterday to see a man walking down the street and a person in the car to come out and just say go back to your own country we know what it's like as the traveller community to be mm-hmm. a, to be a subject of hate within society you know and, and, and going into people's camps because that's how, how travellers lived many years ago as well so that could be us today and I just would say to, to communities you know really think before it's us and them when more so we can be us you know what I mean and it's it's very dangerous getting caught up in those but I do think the government needs needs to take responsibility here as well and need to need to get out messaging to people saying that it's not other human beings fault it's just yeah. it's a housing crisis and we need to deal with our homeless uh, crisis yeah do you worry that this uh, could be you know we could see candidates coming forward candidates getting elected on these issues on these platforms in the local elections next year yeah but I wouldn't undermine the Irish people 
Do you know? I I I I don't think uh, ordinary Irish people would vote for for bullies or for people who who are trying to have uh, division within uh, communities. And and that there is the truth. You know, they might actually be standing up for for one issue, and that could be the homeless issue. You know, and again, there are real concerns in real communities, and everyone should be listened to and uh, consulted as well around their local community. But you know, I couldn't see the Irish people voting for them, and that there is the truth. Like they might have a bit of a fan base today but in my opinion they, they have they're given them enough rope you know and they The Taoiseach was talking about this issue today wasn't he Sandra? Yes there certainly is concern in government about all of this and uh, Leo Vradker was speaking alongside the visiting President of the European Parliament Roberta Metsola and uh, he was asked about this and he certainly he condemned the protests particularly those that occur outside places where people are living and uh, uh Ivana Batchik, the Labour leader, was speaking about this in the Dáil today, talking about sinister elements whipping up this uh, this type of protest. And there seems to be a lot of hate going around. If you look last night in Dublin alone, there was a protest at Finglas Garda Station, which appeared to have been whipped up on the back of disinformation about an alleged assault at the weekend. There was a protest on Anger Street in the past couple of days, uh, Talbot Street in the city centre, problems in Tala, Ballymun, East Wall, and that's just in Dublin alone. The Gardaí seem to be taking an approach that they will police these protests, but they don't want to appear to be too heavy handed because they're worried that this will actually mean that more people will come out. There has been one high profile arrest in recent days, but there is a huge amount of concern about it. And while politicians are uniting and condemning this type of behaviour, it's not clear how they can really combat the misinformation and the disinformation that's happening online. It's its too vast. It's really difficult to track down. They, um, As mm-hmm. I mentioned, there has been a high-profile arrest in recent days, but it's very difficult to contain this. And it's feeding in, of course, to the policy decisions because government has been trying to set up more reception centres for people arriving. They have not been able to agree on a site around the country because this type of thing is just so difficult to put into a local community. But for all the noise and all the attention all of this is getting at the moment, Michal, the local elections next year will be interesting because so far, far right parties, they've had very little impact at the polls when it really counts. I mean, Eileen's point about the people of Ireland not voting for them is so far valid, especially if you look around Europe. Yeah, very little impact. And if you look at the Dáil and you look look at councils up and down the country, while some sentiment may be being expressed by a few uh, along those lines, it is fairly still for the moment, largely subtle. I suppose there were some comments from Danny Healy Ray in, in recent weeks, which would probably be seen to have strayed over the over the line. Uh, but generally, while there is a sense of condemnation, I think within Leinster House, particularly within the Dáil, there's a lot of people just not talking about it because they don't know what the solution is, particularly when it comes to the fact that it, there is a real struggle on now to get places for people arriving here from Ukraine to stay. And there doesn't seem to be any obvious way of that changing quickly. And the figures are going to be huge. And FOI released just this evening, I see that the Department of Health have an expectation, some civil servants there at least, that by the end of the year, there could be 180,000 uh, refugees here. And if you look at the government response at the moment, it's very hard to see how that space uh, can be found, notwithstanding the fact that local authorities are still working on buildings, which could make a difference. And then I suppose it goes back to the one big political decision that could have been made in recent times. That is, should there have been a special junior minister, a kind of high power junior minister uh, to assist the senior person, Roderick O'Gorman? That decision wasn't taken for whatever reason. 
so again, it seems like a department under pressure and constant calls for other departments to work more closely uh, with the Department of Integration. Uh, but no firm decisions this week, despite there was a cabinet committee meeting on the issue just on Tuesday as well. Yes, and the clock is ticking, isn't there? I mean, by March, a lot of hotels are looking to exit their contracts that are currently providing accommodation. There is that. And then there is this kind of strange happening where you see many hotels are owed a lot of money uh, for the accommodation they have provided up to now, which does seem extraordinary, uh, given the type of strain uh, that the government have in, in finding places, how they're not being paid for whatever accounting reason. It probably is more to do with bureaucracy than anything else. Uh, but again, it makes the, the situation difficult on the ground. Eileen, before we let you go, uh, there's one issue I want to talk about, and it's kind of a thread that's been linked through uh, a couple of things that have been dominating the headlines this week, and that's uh, the nursing homes uh, and the payments, whether uh, people who had uh, medical cards and who had to go into private nursing homes uh, and the way that the state fought their cases and fought those cases uh, going to court, uh, and similarly, non-payments of uh, Again, disability payments that people were entitled to because they were in institutional care, uh, the state wasn't giving them. And again, a, a legal strategy that was almost designed to you know, block this issue being resolved. What is your take on, because of various calls, you know, maybe the AG's advice should change in future. To, what's your take on the way the state uses the law as it's entitled to against vulnerable communities or vulnerable individuals? I, I think, uh, firstly, our, our Taoiseach should be open and, and honest with, with, with the public and take responsibility than comments like yesterday saying the state hasn't got uh, a leg to stand on. You know, I think that kind of adds uh, fuel to the fire and hurts uh, people who was mistreated within our nursing homes or, uh, or uh, through, uh, through uh, care as well. Uh, you know, in, in, in my opinion, uh, it should have never happened and we can never leave it happen again. But again, like how hiding behind scandals are not are not good enough, and everybody should be treated again equally. And it's it's the families like when you have an older person in a nursing home and thinking that they're they're going to like you. So some people don't even know their rights, and they just if the nursing home says that the ch- their person was cut off their uh, their uh, their uh, benefit, well then the family usually believes that you know. So that money's well, going yeah, back, no, and again that that case, that information policy, being yeah. uh, misgiven out to people, and it's just absolutely ridiculous and I do believe that people should be given back their money and even if that person who was in the nursing home has passed away the money should be given back to the family Alright, listen it's been a pleasure to talk to you thank you to come in uh, uh, for talking to us on your politics Uh, Senator Eileen Flynn, Guramila and happy St Bridget's, belated happy St Bridget's Day uh, to you let's just continue uh, with that issue Sandra, Uh, the issue around uh, the nursing homes and the issue around the disability uh, payments, now Again, a lot of the facts are being established here. A lot more will be learnt. Um, but it certainly opens up a can of worms, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. And I think uh, at the heart of it, it is that point that you're making about the treatment of vulnerable citizens and the duty of care that the state also has to those people. And yes, there's a balance to be struck in relation to the public finances, uh, but they also have a duty to vulnerable people. When it comes to the disability payments, it seems pretty clear cut 
Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, saying they didn't have a legal leg to stand on. When it comes to the nursing home charges, the government is very much uh, standing over the line, insisting that this policy was sound, that it had a basis in law, that people were not illegally charged. Uh, That is disputed, of course, by other people. We'll have to see what the Attorney General says next week and lawyers will have different views on that. Of course, it hasn't been tested in the courts. But there's still that core issue about the treatment of vulnerable people. The Children's Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, I thought was very clear about that on Morning Ireland yesterday when he said that uh, that cost containment, that that shouldn't obscure the duty that the state has to, to vulnerable individuals. And I think when you distill it to the political attacks that have been made by the opposition this week, Sinn Féin, very clear, this is heartless, it's callous, it's playing hardball with elderly people. Uh, and I think that's the type of thing that could very mm-hmm. easily translate to the public. That's what they're going to hear out of all of this, um, uh, rather than perhaps the fine detail of, of cases when it is very complicated. And it's the fact that, it, you know, it, it, it's not just, if you like, one group of, you know, vulnerable people. I mean, we seem to see this again and again. We've seen it in, in cervical check and so on, Bridget McCall, when in, individuals go up against the state and legally what they're up against is something, you know, so huge, so determined and so determined it's, it seems from what we've learned to protect its own interests rather than the interests of the person. Yeah, and, and politically that's the great danger, danger for government, isn't it? If there's any perception that this is any way akin to Bridget McCall, well then they're in difficulty. They clearly are. What now I know the cer- exact circumstances of each. It, it's just yeah. the pattern of the state's behaviour. And that yeah. strategy. And of course the big difference there and the thing I think that government most fear is that if a face is to emerge, if a person is to emerge on which this uh, becomes very clear that the, the toil and the damage done uh, was great, well, then that makes it a lot more real and that makes it a lot more difficult. I think what has happened over the last two days has been extraordinary because on the one hand, you have a Taoiseach saying in relation to one particular case, uh, legally, there isn't a leg to stand on what has to be done, what have to be what's legally required and what's morally just. And then making it, drawing a big distinction, saying it's based on legal advice uh, on another issue in relation to nursing home charges, which, of course, everyone knows is nowhere near as clear cut as it's being presented, evidenced by the fact that a secretary general uh, left the Department of Health had to leave the Department of Health when this blew up as a crisis in 2005 when the person who became Taoiseach Michal Martin himself had a fairly tricky time at an Oireachtas committee uh, when talking about uh, that entire episode. Other politicians too, including Mary Harney, were under serious difficulty. So it is tricky political terrain notwithstanding the fact that there's a sense of calm uh, around here this evening. One other point, I I think it is notable too that Fine Gael Taoiseach talking about a particular crisis uh, that wasn't on the Fine Gael watch, that was clearly on the, on the Fianna Fáil watch. The language of Leo Varadkar is very different here when it comes to the maintenance payments compared to what Michal Martin had to say today, uh, where he was on the back foot talking about efforts Seamus Brennan made here and saying that unpalatable decisions have to be made that aren't desirable, but nowhere close to the, the mea culpa and the hands up of Leo Varadkar. Okay, we'll see how all that develops. Uh, The other issue that's coming down the tracks fast uh, is decisions on the cost of living supports. And you were writing about this in a really comprehensive blog at the weekend, Sandra. Uh, Just take us through the, the decisions that will have to be taken and why some of them might prove controversial. Yes, well, a lot of these supports are going to expire at the end of February. The government has been very clear. Some are not going to continue, but some will. And they're having their first meeting, the three party leaders and the two financial ministers next week. And probably I think we'll get a decision the following week. Michael McGrath seemed to indicate that this morning. 
But you're looking at the electricity credits, the VAT cut for electricity bills, the excise duty cut. Uh, there's the business support scheme. Uh, there's the um, stay on uh, evictions as well at the moment. There's a huge number of supports out there that they have to make decisions on. We're clearly getting, there's a divergence of views between the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, who has been very clear he wants the excise cut to end. Of course, it fundamentally goes against what the Green Party are about to be subsidising um, uh, car travel in that way. Uh, and However, at the weekend, he seemed to modify that a little and talked maybe about phasing it out because I had spoken to other people in government who said they would be really worried about restoring the excise cut overnight because people would go to the pumps the next day and suddenly petrol would be back up 20 cent. But I also saw uh, read an interesting intervention today on it. Uh, Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank, was out at that usual press conference after the rates decision this lunchtime and she said that she had discussions yesterday with Pascal Donoghue, of course, in his role as the president of the Eurogroup, where she said that uh, countries needed to start rolling back the measures because energy prices are coming down. And she said that that should be rolled back promptly in line mm. with the fall of en in energy prices. And of course, Pascal Donoghue will have to bring that back to the to domestic politics as well. Uh, but the issue for energy bills is that the consumer hasn't felt the cut yet. Uh, the wholesale prices might be falling. There's going to be a big lag before the bills really come back. So I wouldn't be surprised if another electricity credit could be rolled out. It's funny that the language has changed. We've gone from no cliff edge to having money in the winter uh, and that, that that was the yeah. strategy that worked. That's notable because that was Leo Varadkar's message to the Fine Gael group last night. It's also what Eamon Ryan was saying yesterday. So they are setting the ground. Uh, you feel if they can, if they believe it's politically possible to strip away as many supports as possible in the spring and reintroduce them in November. And the other thing that people will be feeling if, you know, they haven't felt it yet in their energy and gas bills, they will be feeling the uh, in increase in borrowing costs uh, with that ECB hike. Uh, Sinn Féin have been calling uh, frequently recently, Michal, uh, for mortgage interest relief, but Michael McGrath, he's not going for it, no? No, there seems to be no desire in government uh, to go that route at all. Even temporary and tailored is how Sinn Féin are describing what's necessary as they, as they see it, uh, but there, there's no appetite for that. All right. Well, there we leave it. Uh, it's quiet. It's, it's kind of quiet at the moment. It's surprisingly it? calm, but there's a lot of uh, political issues you feel that could explode quite uh, at any minute, which, which could change the dynamic. If the nursing home charges or the maintenance issue become big, if there is a sudden change around cost of living supports, I would say particularly people who travel long distances in rural areas see the price of fuel uh, rocketing as they would see it, uh, that would change the dynamic here very quickly. Yeah, so kind of a nervous calm in a sense that some things, some pressing problems, they may get a little, they may get worse before there's any chance of them getting better. Yes, and I think when it comes to the nursing home charges issue, we're going to be talking about this for some time because there's so much documentation that's going to come out. We're going to have Oireachtas committee hearings. I think it's going to roll for quite a while. Uh, so it has certainly has potential to do damage, I think, if it rolls on for a long time. Well, in the meantime, enjoy the bank holiday weekend. Thank you for with us, Thank, uh, for joining us. Thanks also to Senator Eileen Flynn, who was with us earlier. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And we'll talk to you again next Thursday. Goodbye.